This week's episode of Lawyer Up is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash lawyer up. Over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Jackie Hearn, it's showtime. Hey, Rick Foster. How are you doing today? Doing all right. I'm just ready to uh, finally talk about the (sighs) premiere of Better Call Saul. This has been such a hard week waiting to talk about it. I I mean, it's been great because I I feel like I've read enough articles. I've really thought about it. I've analyzed it, and I'm ready to go. But, man, have I wanted to talk about it all week. And my friends, my family, they're getting sick of me. (laughs) Yeah, I'm I'm ready. I know uh, we I enjoyed it, and I'm curious to to know if uh, you enjoyed it as well. I, I hope so. I absolutely did, and I knew I would uh, because I loved Breaking Bad, and I love you know we mentioned this in our our pre-show or beta episode that we know who these writers are, we know these creators, we know these actors, um, and you know, and I specifically feel like I really know Bob Odenkirk. So I, I mean, I know that he's a good human being. I know I feel like I, I mean, you you can say that about some celebrities, but I really feel that about this person. And so I, there's just ah, yes. So what about you? Did you like it? Did you like both episodes? I know we'll break them down. Um, piece by piece. Yeah, you know what? I, I really did uh, like both episodes. Uh, for starters, I think the big difference is just the the tone uh, between Breaking Bad and uh, and Better Call Saul. I think just color-wise is unbelievable. Uh, <gasps> Breaking Bad kind of had this dark tone, and now it's kind of lighter besides the opener uh, mm-hmm. where it's dark and, and everything. Everything's kind of bright, happy. Very um, yellow. Very yellow. <laughs> I mean, especially to the credit sequence, that's very quick. Yeah, yeah, it's just very, it's unbelievable at how much of a difference it's been as far mm-hmm. as just color and cinematography and just directing as well. It's it, but it's by the same people, so you you would come to expect they can handle any any scenario. You know, I kind of wondered about that too, and you know, I, I'm I'm thinking there's yellow in every single scene. I mean, there's a yellow car, there's a yellow courthouse, there's yellow lights, um, even in the bathrooms. The, there's always that shade, and I, I was thinking, you know, the well, we'll talk about the opening scene in a moment where it's all black and white, and I, I, I'm, I'm kind of wondering if this is like, I'm trying to think, there must be something this yellow represents, and is it representing like, this is Saul at his, or Jimmy, at his best, when his life really had promise. With a lot of media now, they there's always a color like a color that pops out uh, with Breaking Bad. Uh, Marie, for example, she oh. was purple, uh, and as the seasons went on, they got darker and darker. Another is if you've ever seen The Sixth Sense, anytime there was red, uh, red was a big color of like danger and things like that. Mm-hmm. So with this yellow color being specifically spread out everywhere, it's it's going to be interesting as episodes go on, as seasons go on, because they have a color mapper on set, you know, to be like, okay, so this is this stuff is happening. We need to darken down the the yellow or, you know, bring it up because a funny thing is going to happen. You notice how much the color influences kind of how you feel almost. Yeah. 
and it's it's something that a show hasn't really done since probably going to be saying this a lot since Breaking Bad. Uh, you know, you're 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 right. We don't see that a lot in television, um, but we see it in movies. It's very, it's very different, but the same at the same time. That a very cop out answer of what I'm saying, but it's it really is a bringing a different, shedding a different light on Breaking Bad. Kind of saying, hey, you know, we know there's people that love Breaking Bad, and we're gonna do some of the same stuff, but it's gonna be a different a different scene and different way we're gonna set things up. You know, I was just about to ask you about maybe, uh, you know, giving giving some examples of Breaking Bad, but I re- just realized some, you know, housekeeping that we should do up front is that you and I decided yesterday that we would wait until the end of the show to talk about anything that's specifically very related to Breaking Bad that might spoil it for somebody who has not watched Breaking Bad. Because that is something that this, the, the writers, the producers really want, is that this audience feels comfortable watching it if they've never watched Breaking Bad. So we're going to wait until the end, and then we'll tell you so you can just kind of turn off your, you know, so we don't spoil that. But I want to ask you about Breaking Bad. I, I was going to say, and there, there might be times where, you know, I mention things that aren't spoiler-esque. right. Just like production, things like that. Well, I, I mean, I think it's it's pretty obvious. Uh, you know, people know that there are characters that are coming in that are from Breaking Bad, but just because they're in the show doesn't spoil. I mean, and that that's just kind of the nature of the show. It's a prequel. It can't really spoil it. You may see somebody we see later, but that doesn't tell you what happens in the storyline of Breaking Bad. Exactly, and, and we'll get and we'll get down yeah. down the road. So tell me. Uh, what did you, what your feelings and thoughts about just kind of the the very uh, the opening scene just before the the credits roll? I I was so excited. You know, I'm already on. Maybe maybe it was just the anticipation, and the show finally starts. And you know, I've been waiting for this for what two years now, two and a half years, and mm-hmm. or maybe two a year and a half. <laughs> Whenever it was they announced it, I think that was summer 2013. And I immediately I was in love because of the black and white, and I it only took me a moment to realize they were making cinnamon buns that I knew that it was a flash forward. I knew that at that moment, and not only that, there was a few other things clues that were in there for that. But oh, what I loved about it was you know it was black and white, it was dreary. Here is. This is this is and this is what this is something that Breaking Bad did do as well as they did those flash forwards before the season, so you yeah. can kind of know this is a hint to how things will evolve. And I, I I so I absolutely loved it. I loved that it was dark. I loved that this man was just a shell of a man, and he comes home and he he sits he makes himself a very cheap, uh, which I put together must have been a Long Island iced tea. Sits down and he grabs his tape of what he used to be, as well, if he's such a shell of a man. He has to remind himself that he was once a great, successful lawyer. Exactly. You know, and 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 Bob Odenkirk. And the last thing, and then I'll ask you a question. But Bob Odenkirk, he's got this great ability. Um, and we know that a lot of the comedy in this show is not directly written by Bob, but there's a few ways that he brings his comedy in, and one is just the way he portrays it. But Bob Odenkirk has this great ability to to kind of cry, like this whimpering like cry, and you see it on his face when he opens up the blinds and looks out 
you know, when they say a huge snowstorm, it's going to get really cold. <laughs> and I just, I just absolutely loved it. I loved every second of it. Exactly. Um, what did you think? Uh, yeah, it's it's very, very interesting as far as just kind of he's very disappointed. Uh, he's very broken. And mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, yeah, we, we get this guy of just like, all right, you know, here I am in this courtroom. And I have to, I have to make, you know, these people, these kids, uh, not guilty. <laughs> and he, he very, he sells it very well. He's like the the worm car salesman that is trying to uh, sell you the the shitty uh, the shitty Volkswagen. Uh, but he just needs he needs to sell it because otherwise it's just going to continue to sit there and you know stink up the lot. He sells it. He believes it. That not even not even his clients believe that they're they're not guilty. Uh, but he's the only one that you know he's selling them and he's he's making he's doing his damnedest to make them not guilty. And and uh, you you kind of see that he kind of convinces the jury. But then of course you know just no words. By the way, directing wise for that for that scene of them wheeling. Wheeling that TV and VCR, you know, very slowly. <laughs> yes, the, the the prosecutor doesn't say a word. Yeah, nobody says a word, and you know, you're like, well, this is really big. If you know they're wheeling out a TV, and then you realize like they're <laughs> being idiots and uh, <laughs> a corpse. So, and even and even after that video is shown, uh, Jimmy is just like, don't don't, it's you're still good. And then obviously they. That convinces him for guilty, but once that case is done, he he you know crumples them up and he, they're in the back back of his mind, you know, just because he's he's trying to make ends meet, and you can kind of see the the relation of of yeah the the black and white Jimmy uh, and the the yellow Jimmy uh, I guess we'll call him. Uh, they both kind of have similar interests. They're both broken and they just want to do something that they love, and they're just having a having a tough time dealing with reality. What did you think there there's a story that Jimmy we, we meet these skater kids because they pull they pull a scam on him or they try to pull a scam. Knowing what we know in Breaking Bad, you realize the story that he tells about Slip and Jimmy. Um he's a teen and he's just trying to make uh you know the quick buck just like those guys except he's doing it better harder and he's doing him he's getting more for for his buck and mm. you can kind of see oh the by, the, by the way can I say um, we talked about how we would do our favorite one liners one of my favorite one liners you know they, they tried to press him for $500 and then he talks about his car and he mm. says for the $500 that car would only be worth $500 if there was a $300 hooker inside one he doesn't fall for it uh, which you can kind of see that once he hits that guy and you can see that horror of his face of just like, man, are they really going to, you know, call the cops? And then he's just like, no, like, I know you're fake and I've done, and you know, I, that's poor acting job of just, you know, me, uh, you hitting the car, whatever. And then they run away and then he goes back to them later saying, Hey, you know, I am, I am you back then, except I was better. Uh, and just the way he, he manipulates uh, people, and it's you can see the backstory of 
of uh, Saul Goodman uh, later later on in his lawyer career. Uh, mm-hmm. That made a hell of a lot more sense uh, to know uh, his slipping Jimmy backstory, to be that slimy little worm uh, of a guy that he will become. Uh, you know, I have a theory, and, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but what I've picked up between this episode and the next is that, and I'll mention that when we talk about episode two, is that I think that, that Jimmy kind of really kind of cares for the downtrodden to a degree. He, he's got a, I think he's got a tiny little concern for that, more of a passion of his ability to talk his way through things, which made him an attorney. But I think he wants to focus on kind of cutting down either criminals or people who can afford to have money taken from them. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, and people might might disagree. Let's let's continue on with. Uh, I know the big thing that we talked about was colors and everything. And why don't we talk about just kind of the almost misdirection that that the that the directors and the crew were pulling on us uh just for him going out of the courthouse why don't we talk about just the misdirection that they pulled on us uh when oh you mean when he comes out and the first thing he goes out to the parking lot tries to get in his car and the first thing you see is a, Cad- a white Cadillac Deville basically he walks out he sees a Cadillac Deville and you see him, you think, oh, that's his car because he's an attorney. He's going to get in that car. He doesn't get in that car. He gets into Suzuki uh, Esteem, Correct. which is parked right next to it, and it has a back door of a different color. So obviously there was an accident. They couldn't replace the right color, but it's like a, an orangish-red back door, and it's yellow. It's it's beaten down, but the but the car's name, the model name is Esteem. <laughs> Um, Bob Ungerich said he absolutely loved driving this car around. It's, yeah, this is, you know, it's kind of funny because uh, my brother is an attorney, and, um, well, I don't know, you know, when he became an attorney, he didn't, he had a little bit better car, but he had this, like, Ford Festiva that was like a lemon, a yellow lemon, and and that's what I love about it, is that they picked, that this car is yellow, and, I mean, I know that a lot of people are familiar with the lemon law, where you can't sell a piece of junk car to somebody. Uh, yeah, this car is a great example of attorneys today. Um, and, you know, the, the problem with it, law school, is that you're going to rake up so much student loans. You're going to be so broke. You're going to be paying this off for years. And so attorneys today, the new attorneys that start out, are not, it's not easy for them to be successful. And so I think Jimmy is a great example of that. So I think that anybody out there who's in law school or just out of law school would definitely identify with that, that you're going to be driving this esteem around you're in the first few years. You're going to be a public defender. Uh, you're, you're not, unless you just really have a good network or somebody to get you into a right position. On uh, a law firm, yeah, you're, you're definitely starting at the bottom, uh, you know, from bottom and you're working your ass up to to the top, which is, yeah, and that's what we are seeing Jimmy work from the bottom to what he will become uh, for to be the top of the food chain. 
it's a long way to go from from becoming the man, and that's and that's what I kind of like about this. Is that I do too. I do too. I mean, I'm I'm usually that for that kind of uh, character, and you know, so I just completely relate to Jimmy at this point. That you know, he has this ambition of becoming an attorney and doing things, but. You know, I, I think that you you understand very early as an attorney that here's the law, and the best thing you can do is work the law in order to help your clients um, get the 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 thing that they need. I also love that he's a public. Well, he's not. You know, it, this is something I also realized after a couple of viewings. He's not. He's not really a public defender. He's. he's He's not even a public defender. Uh, he's a public defender for hire, uh, just kind of a, a a contractor almost. And mm -hmm. he, it's very clear that he doesn't want to do any of that work. Uh, just w and we'll get to it later uh, with his talks with with uh, Chuck. And uh, a great line Chuck says is uh, "Do good work, and the money will come." And yeah. that's he's trying to do good work right now, trying to pay his debt into society. But uh, right now, it's just uh, not going his way. By the way, I know that you have somebody there in the studio. I saw a hand come in. Would you like to introduce her? And, and let's hear what she thought. Uh, I know we've got some viewer feedback as well. We'll get into that yeah. later. We got some great feedback from episode one. Uh, but right now, we're going to bring in my girlfriend, Sharon, who has watched both episodes of Better Call Saul. And uh, we, we kind of want to get your thoughts on uh, just what you thought from just – we'll start with episode one. What did you think? Um, well, I, I really liked it. I, I agree that it started out kind of slow. Um, it was interesting with the black and white and all that, and I understand that they're kind of building the, the background. Uh, but, yeah, I really liked it, and the way it ended, it was just like, whoa. <laughs> now, is, now, do you kind of like the progression of uh, seeing – Jimmy McGill kind of be this, you know, uh, a, a guy that's kind of kicked around a little bit um, from the first episode. Yeah. It, it, because you I are would... a fan of Breaking Bad. I should mention that. She has seen the entire series. And I, was, I was going to jump in and ask if she had seen Breaking Bad. So you've seen all of Breaking Bad. Is that right? Yes. And I, as a fan of Breaking Bad, I was really surprised at how much I felt sorry for, for Jimmy. <laughs> Compared to Breaking Bad, where, you, yeah, he's just kind of this worm, you know, of a lawyer. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems like, I, I guess... Was it maybe the hype uh, that, that yes, kind of... Yes, I was so excited for it and all the hype, and I guess, you know, the last experience I had was very, like, end of this... the Very emotional. Breaking Bad, all emotional mm. stuff happening all the time, so... I I cried like a baby during the end of Breaking Bad. I mean, I cried for, like... Days or weeks. I mean, the last four or five, the last whole half season, <laughs> I was crying. But I mean, was it like that for you guys at the end? I mean, was it just like I, I mean, because I I couldn't believe it was over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and just exactly. And and we'll we'll kind of end it with this. I, I, we all kind of universally agree that uh, those last eight of uh, Breaking Bad is just a very emotional, uh, you know time in television of the huge kind of thing exactly. ending and uh, people kind of weren't ready to go but uh, I think Vince said it's better to go out on top than you know go out uh, you know when you're 
really shitty. Uh, so. Actually, I I I heard Bob uh, Odenkirk on on the. Um, by the way, there's a great. If you don't subscribe to our, our podcast, you should subscribe to the Better Call Saul Insider with Kelly Dixon, uh, who is one of the editors for Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad. Uh, she she had she had Bob Odenkirk and uh, Vince Gilligan on this week, and you know, I mean. And Peter Gould, uh, but uh, anyways, um, Bob was on, and I remember this because I read it that during the um, the the season finale of Breaking Bad, the party, their their post party uh, for the final series finale, Bob Odenkirk said, "Well, you know, a show is only really judged by its sequ- its um, you know, or sequel or, or spinoff." <laughs> and he, he was joking, but I kind of think that uh, Better Call Saul has a good chance of really having the same kind of audience that that breaking uh, in success that Breaking Bad had. Uh, I, I think it's just going to take people a little bit of time, and and that's what has bothered me about it is that people don't, you know, they 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 kind of dismissed it up front because um, Brian Cranston and Aaron Paul were not in it. But uh, it makes sense that they're not in it because they meet him, exactly. you know, in Breaking Bad. So you not only you want these characters in, but you also, in doing that, you're also ruining continuity. Uh, that's the word. Continu- continuity. Continuity yeah. of, uh, of the show. So you want them to kind of mess up things just to kind of make you happy. That's it, not... That's unfortunately. I would love that too. I would love everybody back for Breaking Bad for after Breaking Bad mash things, but yeah, but that's happen. that's not going to happen. And also, people don't realize is that when Breaking Bad first kind of aired, the, it was very kind of slow building. And those in those six, uh, seven, I'm sorry, those first seven are very slow in in building up story, and it. And if it wasn't sure. for the writer strike kind of uh, opening people's eyes, because they were supposed to get nine episodes. I think it was eight or nine, but either way, they were cut short of their order. And it took that to kind of open eyes in the writer room, writer's room to be like, you know, okay, so this is the way we want things to go. This buildup, it's going to take a while to, to kind of get footing and to get everybody back into the groove. Uh, I, we've talked about this before. You can't judge a, a series on its pilot. The only pilot that I know that right off the the gate I I enjoyed it was uh, Dexter, uh, just because of everything that was done in that episode. And uh, yes, yeah, usually it takes a while. It does take a while. Is that we live in this world now where not a lot of people may may jump on right away. Breaking Bad had the largest series premiere in AMC history. Yes, it it had uh, in cable history. No, 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 not cable. I don't think it's cable history. I well, okay. There is an article, I believe. Um, it was a Hollywood Wood reporter. Uh, but go ahead. No, we'll talk about that later. I've got some references down there. Um, no, The Guardian UK, the most viewed series in premi- or premiere in cable history television, according to The Guardian. It broke with 6.9 million. But that also doesn't factor in the DVRs, Netflix, on demand. It's overnight rating and. And uh, I mean, people are gonna jump on later when, when the series uh, is shown up on Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. it, 
here. It's available right now in the UK and in Ireland, and I know a lot of people use VPNs in the United States to watch it. But also, this the, the premiere was is now available on the AMC website, so you can watch the first episode for free. Even if you don't have cable, you can go to the AMC website and watch it. So all of that has to kind of be factored in. So, however, it did follow right after The Walking Dead, which is the most successful television show in history. And they had 15.6 million views that night. And their show does not compare. Trust me, I do a podcast called The Walking Drunks on it. And I it just it did not compare to the season series premiere um, of Better Call Saul. Some people just want zombies. <laughs> That's true. Hey, Rick, speaking of Bob Odenkirk, you know what is a really great audiobook to listen to? What's that? A Load of Hooey by Bob Odenkirk. A Load of Hooey, a collection of sh new short humor fiction, Odenkirk Memorial Library, book one. You can get it from audible.com. Audible.com? No way. That's yes. ridiculous. And audible.com is our sponsor for this show. For our listeners of Lawyer Up, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you an opportunity to check out some of their services. So, on a, a load of hooey, I would completely recommend that if you are a fan or are starting to become a fan of Odenkirk's humor, you definitely want to check this out. Uh, it's kind of like a mini Mr. Show in many ways. It's got a lot of the same old people. It's got David Cross on there, Jay Johnston, Jerry Minor, Paul of Tompkins, Brian Posehn. It's it's basically a collection of stories, absurdist monologues. You know, there's a there's a track on there called uh, Hitler D Dinner Party, a play, <laughs> and I love it. There's actually a cartoon to go along with it too that you can find online if you go to YouTube and search Hitler Dinner Party, Bob Odenkirk, uh, and I would strongly encourage you to check that out. My audible pick for the week is uh, Alice Cooper, Golf Monster, a rock and roller's 12 steps to becoming a golf addict. <laughs> what? And so uh, if if you know Alice Cooper, you, you mm -hmm. kind of know that he, in his line of work, he became an alcoholic and everything like that. And eventually he kind of kicked the habit of alcoholism. And the big uh, way of him kicking the habit was he got into golf. And wow. He, Yes, and he uses golf as kind of his uh, his vice to uh, not drink and things and of that sort of nature. And yeah. uh, it goes in depth of when he's um, when he's Alice Cooper, he's playing a character, and he's just like, "Well, I'm Alice Cooper, so you know, I, I I'm not an alcoholic when I'm Alice, but you know, I'm an alcoholic when I'm you know my myself." And mm. it's very it's very almost heartbreaking of just uh, kind of reading everything about his career and just the way he kind of went down that path. And with, sure. the, audible, with the Audible book, it's actually uh, narrated by Alice Cooper. Oh, so, very nice. So it's one of those uh, few books. Uh, I mean, now more audiobooks are doing it to where you're, the author is reading you know, what he wrote. And this is one of these books that it's narrated by the person that lived it. So it's... It's highly, highly, highly recommend this book for whether you like music or not. Uh, it's very, it's very insightful and kind of inspiring to to see like, hey, you know, uh, if you can uh, kick alcoholism, you know, you can pretty much do anything. 
Sure. So it's kind of like, uh, I, I assume there's a little bit of humor in it thrown in with a inspirational story. Yes, correct. Mm. It's a very, it's a very uh, nice inspirational memoir nice. that he wrote. Nice. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, there's so many books, and what I love about Audible.com is when you sign up for it, you get a credit each month, and you can use that credit towards uh, a purchase of pretty much any book. So, you know, your credit per month or your membership is, I think, about fourteen ninety five a month. And, uh, you know, there are books that would regularly run you about $30, bucks, $30 you know, uh, each. So, you know, I'm always racking up credits through Audible, and, uh, you know, it's, it's when I, I travel that I use them up because I love to drive in the car and listen to an audiobook, you know, and I can pick, plan out how far I have to drive based off the time on the, uh, the audiobook, and I absolutely love it. During those months, I'm always short on credits, but... Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and, and the great thing about Audible is that, you know, if you do not like this, it's a very easy way to cancel... Uh, mm. And uh, it's you're not going to be hassled to try and stay on or anything like that, like Comcast does. Um, and you can keep the book that you liked free of charge. With the membership, it's very easy to kind of uh, decide whether you want to, you know, stay on, stay off. And you can even exchange the books that you don't like if you are a member of Audible. So it's it's very it's a very awesome membership service, and I highly encourage everybody to try it with a 30-day free trial. All right, well, so, you know, you can pick up one of our recommendations or any other book of your choice by going to www.audibletrial.com slash lawyerup. They have over 150,000 titles to choose from that you can access on your PC, your iPhone, your Android, or your Kindle device. All right, so let's get back into our discussion of the show. I agree. Let's talk about um, season two or episode two. Oh, geez, uh, we're, we don't want to get that far. But episode, <laughs> uh, let's let's start with uh, the courthouse montage. It almost seemed very Groundhog Day ish. I know. Oh, it was so great. I I absolutely loved it. I loved the way it was shot. And by the way, uh, the director the director for the first episode was Vince Gilligan. The director for this one was Michelle McLean. Uh, who did several episodes of Breaking Bad, and she's now going to, she's not coming back for, apparently, for the meantime, for Better Call Saul, because she is directing Wonder Woman. So she's a little bit busy. She's apparently really good at montages. In this montage, we see Saul, he has just talked to his brother. I love it because it really shows him talking about these defendants as if they're real humans or they they really need a chance. You just get these little one-liners from Bob Odenkirk uh, or Jimmy. And he says, uh, well, the kid was hungry and, and there's no food in his house. And he's talking to this prosecutor and the prosecutor keeps saying, petty with a prior, petty with a prior. He d- deals with his these various defendants or that he's, he's representing. And there's actually one thing that I love. There's one scene where you see uh, Jimmy... Uh, walk into the courtroom on one end, and then or walk past on one side, and at the same side there's there's two Jimmies in the shot at the same exact time, it, because he's moving very quickly in front of this courthouse. I did hear that there is a Easter egg. There's somebody who's going to appear in one of the episodes later that is briefly in there, and I've been combing that montage over and over trying to figure out who that might be. Do you have any thoughts on that? I do not actually. It's uh, the I didn't know of this Easter egg until you uh, you brought it up uh, to me afterwards, and part of me it doesn't matter, does it? 
I don't think so. No, I and I think once once this Easter egg is revealed, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of fans will go back and kind of say, "Hey, you know, there he was, right there, right there." You know, so it, it's every. And then everybody will be like, oh, I told you, you know, I told you so and whatever. But I think, I, like I said, I love, I absolutely love the montage. And it really reminded me of Groundhog Day, the movie, of just in a, you know, five-minute uh, montage. <laughs> so uh, any other thoughts? On... Yeah, it's just like you said with that, uh, that phrase that the other guy kept saying. It just made it seem how, like Jimmy cared so much about the people he was defending and you know the other people were willing to use any excuse you know just because you have a prior doesn't mean that you're guilty of this crime but just any excuse to put him under the rug and you know move on they're guilty and as somebody who really absolutely you know just has loved Bob Odenkirk and sees Bob Odenkirk's comedy and the way he portrays Jimmy in the scene there you know there's a point where he's in the courthouse and he's defending all of these various people you know, they snap back and forth, and he's basically saying the same thing, like, well, this person was trying to do this, so, you know, uh, you know, give him a break or whatever it is. Like, there's one line where he said, uh, they had, she had to make some cookies, or all she's trying to do is make cookies. And I just, I, 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 I did hear some stories about, basically, they gave, they, they just needed to shoot a shot of Bob into court in front of these defendants. And apparently uh, everybody was cracking up because Bob really went all the way out and like totally improved a bunch of stuff. So I cannot wait to hear the backstory on she was just making some cookies. <laughs> yeah, we need some <laughs> yeah. And then, oh, and by the way, well, there's one other thing about this montage is that there's several scenes where he goes to the parking garage and I'll lead that back to you, um, Rick, because I know you have some comments on Mike. She keeps going back to Mike, and it, it almost seems like they're developing a little bit of a relationship here. So what are your thoughts on Mike? Uh, yeah, you know, I I think I know for you, Mike Trout is one of your favorite characters from yes. Breaking Bad. I was so happy to see him again. Um, like, I never thought that would be possible. And and you know <laughs> what? It, and He's one of mine as well, especially... Um, when you get to the side story of him and his uh, granddaughter, and yeah. he has a special connection with her, um, and now seeing him, you know, you kind of, I'm like, hey, you know, that's it's great. What is he gonna bring to the table? And uh, he just, he kind of sat in there and uh, brought nothing to the table. Yes, so far. yes, he's he is Mike. He's doing his Mike things, um, <laughs> being very sarcastic and stuff like that. But it's he's in a grand. To- it seemed like he was in the both episodes for a grand total of five minutes, and uh, it kind of makes me wonder why is Mike here again? Is it one of those? Uh, hey, it, you know that? Remember this guy? You know, it's, hey, you liked him? He's gonna be in this series, and I hope that is not uh, kind of a a way to bring old fans in to be like, oh, you know, we got we got this guy, we got this guy, this guy's from the other show that you love wholeheartedly too. Um, but don't you think that they're just building it up? That and you know what? Yes, I there think there will be something eventually. And I'm not going to, you know, hate on everything. Uh, <laughs> uh, it is a very wait and see. However, I think more 
uh, it just would have been very more impactful if he just would have done his little cameo in in the beginning or in the second in the second episode and then you know leave him out of an episode or something like that because to me it seemed like he was there you know they kind of brought him in and you know say hey we're going to do all these shots uh today and we're not going <laughs> to you know yes uh some of these are for the second episode and some of these are for the you know first episode oh sure and it just kind of seemed that you know they're like hey we got you here let's just you know it seemed all the same every it's, Exactly, and and eventually we will get to the point where uh, Mike's stuff will be revealed. I would I would hope. That's what I'm dying to know, and I I put out a um, pre-show questions, and we're gonna do that for hopefully do that for most episodes where we've we will put out some questions to prompt you to send us your feedback. Uh, you know, I I got some reactions from some people. We'll cover feedback later, but you know, one of the things I asked was, is there a backstory here to Mike? Does Mike really start off as just a guy who runs a toll booth? And I mean, he, and somehow he's going to very much be connected to Saul all the way into the next season. What I like about it is I think that Mike is just kind of, he's building a reputation with Saul. I think that what is happening here is that he will not bend. You know, he, he's not going to let... Saul get by with a one less sticker because it's going to hurt him and it's going to hurt, you know, like because he because Saul has to, or, or Mike has to report back with the stickers at the end of the night and if he's one or two short, it's going to hurt him, you know. So I, I think that there's going to be something that that Saul or Jimmy uh, respects about that and maybe in some way they will work together or or may am I predicting too much? Uh no, you're 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 doing a great uh you know kind of an analysis thing uh you know it it does make sense that uh Mike is saying hey you know go back and get these stickers or you know things like that because it's almost like the equivalent of being a cashier um you have to have a certain amount of money in your in your uh, cashier's box at the end and I would assume that the stickers are the equivalent of money uh back in the you know back in the toll booth era days where, mm -hmm. you know, we didn't have computers and you just stuck in a credit card and whatever. Uh, that, so. That's true. Maybe his pay is ducked if he doesn't match up the stickers with the holder for the night, you huh. know. It seems uh, like it's supposed to be like a little bit of comic relief and just something funny every time he's like, got to back up. You know? Yep. I got more stickers. Yeah. yeah, just for him to see him lose his temper and get so mad about three dollars. Mm -hmm. so. I I really hope they move into Mike a lot faster. I mean, it's been two. Well, yeah, now because we are in episode two, there's been two episodes now where that's all we've seen. And yes, I I think that if there's anything they can improve on, it would be let's get into Mike's story. Yes, but it's cool that it makes you wonder. It makes me wonder if. You know how they're gonna end up working together if if Mike's gonna draw Jimmy in or if Jimmy's gonna draw Mike in. You know, it it makes you wonder because they're telling you so little. You know, and I mean, this is also there's a, there's I guess there's so many unanswered stories. We've got um, you know, the whole law firm, uh, you know, with ha Howard Hamlin, uh, and then in addition, part of that law firm is a woman that apparently uh you know, Jimmy has a relationship or, or some kind of connection with. They share a smoke together in the yeah. first episode. And I I know that, you know, her character is Kim, and we're going to see more of her later. But I guess 
I guess there's just a, so much to set up. But the the one, I guess there's a big question about uh, Chuck, Chuck McGill. And I know that you had some questions particularly about his scenario, uh, Rick. Yes. Um, with Chuck, it's very, it's when you introduce new characters uh, from the beginning, uh, it's very, it's hard to kind of, bring people in the fold and you have to tell their story, you know, within a certain amount. Um, I think one of the big problems with Chuck, uh, introducing Chuck, is it wasn't very, it wasn't made clear on who he was. And we had two episodes to figure out who he was. It's not a good sign to where a character that has some, a very interesting kind of tale, uh, like the space blanket and the electromagnetic <laughs> Um, um, I have to go on AMC's website to find out how he's related to Jimmy. Oh, um, okay. And uh, I, I think maybe it just, you know, it was said in like passing or something. And I just no, missed it or anything. I didn't hear. But it, it apparent. So correct me if I'm wrong. He is Jimmy's brother. Yes, I think I. It was clear to me probably because I looked into this from the very get go, and as soon as I heard that. Um, Michael McCain was going to be on, I found out what role he was going to play. So I think that that's why it was obvious to me, but you're not alone. I wasn't even thinking father. I was thinking kind of a Cousins role, maybe. no, not even that, just a, a role model or, you know, kind of a guy that he looks up to, uh, something like that. But then it was made clear that his last name was McGill. Yeah, that they had the same name. And so the first thing that came to my mind was, oh, he's his dad. Um, I... I like I said at first I believed that he was just a mentor like somebody that he looked up to and then when it was made clear the check was made out to uh Chuck McGill I said oh that's his dad not mm -hmm. it, it could be a method of bad casting because the guy just looks so much older so much older when he's been around uh you know since the 80s he was in freaking uh Coneheads for God's sakes. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, spinal Tap. Yes, the spinal electromagnetism tap thing. He just seems like an, a crazy, out-of-touch older guy. Er, right? er, that, that's what I was going to ask you, Sharon. Do you think that this is all in Chuck's head? The electro. The, the electric thing where he's not using electricity. He's wearing a space oh. blanket. Um, I would like to see some evidence that that level of if that is necessary. <laughs> yeah, I I can't imagine that being a realistically affecting him, especially because with the space blanket thing, you know, his Jimmy obviously cares about him, and he demanded that he take it off. So he said it over and over, like yeah, and repeatedly take take the space blanket off, take it off, <laughs> and then as soon as as soon as he leaves, he puts it back on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, you know, the thing is, is when that happened, I thought, okay, I got to look this up. I just got to know. And I, this is not a spoiler because I did this on my own. Uh, <laughs> and we'll, we will find out. But I don't know. I could be wrong. Basically, I did some research. I immediately went into electric static, static electricity, medical condition. And I found an article of a girl in the UK. In the UK. Her name is Megan Stewart. And this is a, an article from the Daily... Uh, mail, and I'll put that in our show notes. But apparently, she's 13 years old, and she suffers from some kind of a allergic reaction to static electricity. 
And basically, she can't have her hair brushed. She might have a seizure and she could die. Oh, my God. Um, and, but apparently, the story says it's an extremely, extremely rare condition. And it's so rare that uh, the medical community doesn't even really recognize it. Mm-hmm. So I think that, that maybe maybe they did their work here in a homework and they're they're kind of playing it off as because I mean this is what uh two thousand and five the uh better cost was taking down the year and it is two thousand four. Two thousand four. May two thousand two. Okay. Uh and there's another article about called or, or there's an, a website called Electric Human about human interaction with static electricity. So I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I mean, I I'm I'm curious to know if they if this is in his head or. I was gonna say it, it's um one of these things. Both episodes were great. However, both had its problems. Uh, one of the the big things that I had a problem with was was Chuck and just kind of. Uh, the electromagnetic things that are going on in his head, or if it's you know actually happening. Um, so it it should be interesting on whether they address it fast enough, or uh, you know, over over time of these le- you know these next couple episodes. So it should be it should be interesting. Uh, anything else you want to add on that? Well, I just feel like no matter how they develop it, it still shows Jimmy's character. Mm-hmm. You know that he is willing to put up with whatever level of crazy for his brother. He's, you know, very cool yeah. and it makes him look like a hero ripping up the check and defending him to his partners or whatever. It's, yeah. it, it, it's more about Jimmy's story than Chuck, I think. Mm-hmm. Exactly. No, uh, that's true. Yep. So before, <laughs> before we move on to the feedback, we're going to do a quick rapid fire on, on a subject and it is uh, about the, negotiation scene for episode two when Tuco, obviously Tuco has arrived and uh, a a lot of people have talked about that but your thoughts uh, on the uh, negotiation for uh, Jimmy to not get those kids killed in one sentence go. Oh god one sentence I can't do it I just made one and I made four and there's five I have so many sons. No, uh, but I will do as quickly as I can. I No, uh, what I loved about this was you kind of see the transition, and I think this is perfect for an opening to develop this character. I think you really see that Jimmy is now realizing the ability of his uh, being able... Well, no, he must have done this years ago because he was slipping Jimmy. But he, he really knows how to talk to these people. He first tries to talk with Tuco, realizes he can't because Tuco's insane. And mm-hmm. then Nacho comes in and he develops that relationship with Nacho, with uh, Nacho. But with Tuco, he says, you know, think about their mother. You know, she works hard. She scrub, scrubs floors. So, you know, he's really, like, he knows what means something to Tuco because his grandmother means so much to him. He really does do his job in pleading a really good deal to Tuco and Nacho by getting these guys just one leg broken each. Sharon, quick quick thoughts. I thought it was awesome and very, very selfless. He realized that it was his fault that these guys were in this situation. Even though someone could have said it was their fault they picked the wrong car, he took responsibility and... 
he could have gone out the easy way and left and acted like he didn't know what happened to these two guys for sure, but he stayed there and had to listen to them get their legs broken and take them to the hospital. I mean, wow, that's that's really good character building, I think. Mm-hmm. Really good character for him. Um, I just want to say, he uh, Tuco, uh, the acting for, for him is unbelievable. Yeah. Um, I think he is a scary-ass Drax <laughs> the Destroyer from uh, Guardians of the Galaxy. He's very literal in his actions uh, when there's when Jimmy's just like, you know, hey, you know, uh, you know, tough but fair. You know, you got to think of what to do. And uh, Tuco says, an eye for an eye, you want me to blind them. And, and you know, it's very... Yeah, that is what Drax Yeah, very, very uh, Drax the Destroyer-like, uh, very literal. And he, when he's on... When he's on this edge, uh, it's uh, a lot. You have to do a lot to uh, try and talk him from that edge uh, to do nasty, nasty stuff. And and it's funny because Tuco, uh, 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 I keep wanting to call him Bob Odenkirk, but it's Jimmy. Jimmy Jimmy has a is very successful in talking to Tuco. This scene was extremely important for them to put up front in these first two episodes. So let's get to your guys' feedback, uh, voicemail, emails, and Twitter. So, Rick, we, we definitely have some uh, voicemail, and one voicemail comes from Nurel. Hey, Jackie, this is uh, Nurel from uh, Twitter, and I said I'd call in with a review on uh, Better Call Saul. And even though I read, uh, everywhere how great it was, I kind of disagree. I really didn't enjoy it up until the last 15 minutes. So hopefully tonight's episode is better. Bye. Great. So thank you, Norell, for your comment. Um, Rick, what do you think about that? Because I know that we've been hearing a lot of this, that people were not really excited about episode one. And they they thought it was too slow. And, and you guys both have kind of mentioned that it didn't, you know. But, I mean, was that was that the intention? Because they knew how it would be set up with AMC to to blanket between The Walking Dead and then carry it on the next day and then take it on to Mondays? I think, I think yeah, the, you pretty much said it right right in that sentence. Uh, mm-hmm. It's very smart for them to put it after The Walking Dead, kind of a, a appetite thing uh, to kind of build, you know, because it it seems like shows now are built on cliffhangers. Um, or or two-hour two premieres. Two-hour premieres, and unfortunately... Um, I think the ideal uh, way to watch these episodes are back-to-back. Um, however, if you did that on Sunday night, one, you'd kind of get people confused on when when to view. Two, for a two-hour premiere, nobody uh, – I mean, it's it ended up being at 10 o'clock on the East Coast, correct? Am I right? Uh, when, correct. So, yes, if you, if you end up doing a double-hour premiere after The Walking Dead – you're you're talking two hours, uh, right? And it ends ends at midnight. Uh, also, another we got another Twitter uh, comment from Wabbit Magic uh, on Twitter, and he said, "I enjoyed the first episode of Better Call Saul. It's quirky and odd, and I like it. I imagine there are connections to Breaking Bad that I'm oblivious, mm-hmm. which I think is kind of cool. That's you great. Know? Yes, I I I would be curious uh, down the road uh, to get his feedback." on uh, what he's thought and if things um, were ruined for him or if, you know, things, th- you know, things that yeah. are really cool 
uh, on his end, and then a Breaking Bad fan is like, well, you know, it's, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. I would be curious to uh, get his feedback on Tuco. There's a lot to be said about this episode, uh, particularly if you have not watched Breaking Bad. I think that we've made that clear that we want your feedback. We want to talk to you no matter what. We've talked about just uh, a lot of one-liners. Uh, is there a yeah. one-liner that, that pops yes. in your head? Well, I don't know. For me, I just I I really was interested in the relationship between um, Tuco and his abuela. It was really it was really cute. And, oh, wasn't that so sweet? About the salsa <laughs> and the club soda, and how um, Jimmy used all that time to come up with a little hit story and try to try to work his magic, right? Mm -hmm. And I just thought it was really cute. And then I I was so yeah, I I was really passionate. Like I was like, oh my gosh, they should not have been so mean to his abuela, and they should not have called her biznatch. And then later he said that, and I was like, see, <laughs> I knew it. Like, if they had been more nice, they would not have been in this situation. <laughs> One thing I did not mention. Okay, yes, no, you're absolutely right about the abuela thing. I think that's perfectly legitimate because you don't you just don't you just don't do that regardless of who they are and so you knew that they were writing their death sentence there i mean by by you know i i really thought they were dead i really thought that salsa was maybe it was blood was it blood do you think or yeah it was blood oh yeah because uh he hit them in, the with the cane in both of them in the nose oh yeah yeah very, very yeah. quickly yeah. Oh. Oh man. Oh. Oh. But but the other point that I wanted to make about those two skater kids is I wonder because you know the rumors when Better Call Saul first came out was uh, Aaron Paul said immediately that I I want to be a part of the show. Um, I want if anything's going to happen with Better Call Saul, I want to be a part of it. But June of last year, he said I can't do it. Regrettably, I can't do it. And I thought. Oh, this is kind of like a little sneaky thing to make us think that he'll never be in the show. And I kind of almost think that he would be in. But now looking at this with these two skater kids, then he would have probably been one of these skater kids. And these skater kids were talking the same kind of language. Yeah, they were saying, yo, yo. I mean, the, the, the sound of their voices were almost spot on. Uh -huh. Did you guys pick up on that? Yeah, it, it definitely. Yeah, they definitely had the uh, Jesse Pinkman stink on them. Uh, you know the yos and the you know biznatch and bitch, right? You know, things like that. Very Jesse Pinkman esque. And yeah, because usually yo is like an introduction, and he would use it as like a period. <laughs> and exactly how they did like at the end. <laughs> yep. So it's it definitely was not on. Accident that they uh, they pulled some of that uh, language out. Right. I think. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyways, that's interesting to know. Um, so, do we have any kind of Breaking Bad business that we want to address? Um, the the only thing that I I do want to point out, uh, it, it'll be interesting to kind of see uh, if you know if Tuco, because obviously in Breaking Bad, uh, there's almost a big bad uh, for each specific season. And hmm. it should be interesting to see if Tuco is his big bad, or if it's Nacho, or or if it's something else down the line, uh, or if it's the the law firm itself, you know, who 
by which, by the way, we talk a little bit about casting, uh, just really quick. Uh, the guy that is running the negotiation when it comes to uh, Jimmy and Chuck's uh, resignation. Uh, that guy is uh, Professor Lasky from uh, Saved by the Bell, the, the college years. So <laughs> you you recognize that face. He's no. the guy that uh, that cheats on uh, Kelly Capone. You know, cheats on Kelly. <laughs> Kelly and uh, Zach are still dating. Oh. Things like that. Awesome, awesome. Very, very important fact. If there's anything you don't get from this, you know, you get from this episode, just it's that. It's that. Don't. You know, that's it. And the feedback number. That's the only, only two things that you need. Well, Rick, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up. I think we've pretty much covered everything. Uh, again, you can reach us, and we've given out that voicemail a million times. Again, that's area code five zero five seven five zero seventeen sixty four five zero five. 750 1764 uh, or at gmail at lawyerupodcast.gmail.com. Um, all right. So, uh, you know, I, I can be reached, not that you want to, uh, but you can find me at JackieHearn81. I'm JackieHearn.com where you can find everything I do. I do quickly want to plug that I do a House of Cards podcast with a good friend of our, of both Rick's and I's, and I'm probably Sharon as well, mm-hmm. um, Roberto Viegas, and that's for the British Tech Network. So you can go to the BritishTechNetwork.com slash HOC for House of Cards, and uh, we cover that, because that show is going to be starting up soon, too. Um, yes. Technically, Rick, Wednesday. Can, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the 27th, I think it is. So, Rick, where can people find you? Uh, people can find me at Rick Foster, uh, and as well as RickFoster.org. I'm getting into this uh, YouTube space uh, thing uh, as soon as I get my homework done and tests all figured out. <laughs> yeah. um, as well as you can find me on uh, the Lawyer Up Podcast, uh, LawyerUpPodcast.com. I do plan on weekly writing up a, just kind of a feature article on uh, just my thoughts uh, that are probably Breaking Bad related. Uh, to just kind of uh, harness my writing abilities and just uh, give people uh, a little thing to read up on as well. Okay, very good. And finally, uh, one last special thanks. I want to thank Sebastian Gonzalez, who created our album art. And man, was he spot on in creating it. He he had that yellow tone with the lawyer ad look and a yellow page. So thank you very much, Sebastian Gonzalez. If you want an album art that you could submit to iTunes and create your own podcast, just follow him at Sebgons on Twitter. That's S-E-B-G-O-N-Z. Also, I want to point out that the music that we're going to cut out with and cut in with is from Johnny Feisty. You can commission music for you as well for your podcast, and you can reach Johnny Feisty at J-O-H-N-N-Y. F-I-E-S-T-Y. So that's Johnny uh, at Johnny Feisty on Twitter.com. So thank you, Johnny Feisty. Thank you, Sebastian, so much for your help in yes, developing this. It means a whole hell of a lot to both uh, Jackie and I. Yeah. That you guys have, have done this stuff for us. So, again, I really appreciate it. All right, Rick. I guess until next week, lawyer up. It's time to lawyer up, and we'll see you guys next week. All right. Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs>